Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. I'm in. It's going to. It's sending you an approval notification. Is it okay? So you need to say you need to. God, on. this is against every instinct in my human body. I know. Like, yeah. God, this is awful, Tom. What are you doing? Everything you've been told about hackers <laughs> is true, and I am about to sell your data. There is no podcast. There is no podcast. Welcome along, it's My Mate Water Toaster. This week I've got a brilliant stand-up uh, and writer and also Athena Kablenu, uh, a, a very prolific mother at the moment. You're doing some serious mothering right now. I'm literally just pushing them out one after the other um, like a tennis ball machine, just firing them over the net, uh, aces all round. Yeah. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> I just, do you know, I was enjoying that image so much, Athena. I just spat in my own face. Do you know how I did that? Well, there I, you go. Why I, go to Thailand when you can talk to me about children flying out left, right, and centre? Why? I just, we can't go anyway. So I, I let my head right back, and I went, <laughs> I went thunk, and then spit landed right on my own face. God, this has been already a very exciting episode of my mate bought a toaster. Um, so yeah, so you are uh, mid-parenting. You've got two kids in the house. You have no other adults, so you're in charge of those those kids. So at any moment, you might have to leap up and do some parenting, right? This is good jeopardy. Yeah. Oh, the stakes are high. You know, <laughs> the stakes are really high. So everyone needs to continue to listen to this because anything yeah. could happen. You know, I've got a little eleven. This one now to the left of me, twelve weeks old, vomits at any. You know, at, just vomits randomly. Oh, just yes. little, but little vomits, like little puke. We call them pukey. Yeah, but that's why they came up with the word positing. <laughs> that's, po- that's what the, the little baby vomit's called positing. Is you it? wouldn't say that to a you know a, a bloke throwing himself coming out of pub at midnight. You wouldn't say, oh, "Look at he's positing up his pizza there." Oh, oh sweet. The positing's not as good as the nickname is pukey. Pukey, pukey, McPukey. Pukey. Um, so you've got a pukey McPuka face next to you. Yeah. Great news, great news. And then you've got another child who, at any moment, could become active. Um, like a volcano. Just like the active is the right word, um, okay. and it, it active volcano because she's like a little monster, but also volcano because of the diarrhea that children get. So um, oh, it's just like a reverse volcano. So you know, it's all going. It's all going on here. It's all going. On. All the fluids <laughs> on this episode of My Mate Bought a Toaster, uh, and we're diving straight back into your past. We're going sixteen years into the past. Sixteen? Going- is it? Six- okay. Have I been using Amazon for sixteen years? 2005 the 28th <laughs> of april right wow that's a long time you're living in camden town at this point um was i i might i was working there so i must have been getting stuff delivered to camden <sighs> all right so you're working on arlington road oh camden. my god are you reading that addresses <laughs> yeah yes i was yeah, working yeah, yeah. on arlington road yeah i used to work on <laughs> yes i used to work in for camden council and they've got a depot in arlington road i had oh, some wonderful Oh, can you hear that? Lovely. Let me stick a dummy in his mouth. Bear with me one second. Oh, Oh, you've got to get the dummies in there. Just saw it. Oh, it is. 
This is why you need to buy 6,000 dummies. Right, it's okay, it's okay, he's cool. Sure? He's fine now. Right, he's sorted. You... Arlington Road, yes, I used to work in a depot in Camden for Camden Council. I used to work doing street... What? Um, I used to work... I was doing admin for... In those days, I was doing admin for, like, a waste department. Um, oh. And it, there's not a lot I don't know about waste and refuse now and recycling now you're now we're on the topic but uh, yeah I was working there and um it was great and it was a proper yard it was full of like street cleaners and bin men and geezers um those, and those in those days you could drink on the job so I'd go to like Weatherspoons every day and have a beer and a burger it was a great no. it was a great time yeah it was a great time <laughs> <laughs> would you come would you come back from just a one woman boozy lunch but at the old the old Weatherspoons it's more like a, with a warm fuzzy feeling I wouldn't be like drunk but I just yeah. have like a probably like a shandy and a, a shandy and a pint. So I'd have oh a pint God. and then f- and chase it with a shandy. I was refuse refuse administration is best done slightly tipsy. It's not the kind of thing you do if you take your life seriously. You know, like it's it's the kind of thing you do if you like to have boozy lunches. It's not, you know, what, it's not like being a lawyer, it's, is it? It's very good preparation. It's more important. It's very good preparation for dealing with the comedy circuit. It was really getting you trained up nice and early for that shit. There's there's a lot of banter when you work with bin men, absolutely. Um, so it's it's just like the open mic circuit, working with those guys, um, and and that I definitely owe them something. Like my success is based on the fact. I used to work with bin men. Absolutely. Why? Because yeah. what what sort when you say there's good banter, was it like, you know, was it quite personal? It was just always very funny. Like, what do you mean? It was funny. I think if you're going to work in waste and refuse at any level, you're going to be down to earth. Thinking about it seriously. Because I, yeah, yeah. I worked there for five years. And I have to say, I probably, I think I laughed every day. It was a very funny place to work. Um, and I think you just have to be down to earth if you work in that environment. And you deal with a lot of people take their bins very seriously. Yeah, I don't it's a think. Big, yeah, when they tried to move re- a refuse collection to every other week, it's oh, the, and even, not even every other week. Sometimes you would just change the day for whatever mm. reason, and people would just be like, "But my bin day is a Tuesday." And you think, "Well, it's a Thursday now. Like, what's up, Diane? Chill out. Like, it's <laughs> it's a Thursday. Like, what's the... so people? And if you sort of miss a bin, like, okay, it happens. Like, people make mistakes, but I guess it's very frustrating when your bin isn't emptied. But the way people act is just like, um, you'd think that you'd run over their dog or their cat or something. Um, it's remarkable. Uh, so you, when you deal with people, you take life very, you take their bins very seriously. It does make you, it does give you a sense of humor. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? This is like the sort of, you know, they say that, um, uh, I heard someone say the other day that any human who's got problem with their arsehole, it basically everything physical about us comes down to our arsehole. If we've got any kind of issues with our arsehole, that's it. The whole human personality falls apart. We cannot cope. It's the same societally. We can oh, we cannot cope if the bin situation falls apart. That's it. And everything else falls apart straight away. Oh, well, absolutely. It's the backbone of of public service sort of bin collections, more so than the NHS and the fire oh, yeah. brigade and paramedics and all this stuff. Like if, if, if the bin men go, I should say bin people, I should say waste operatives. Good. <laughs> Hygiene, waste <laughs> operatives, whatever else, whatever they were called officially yeah. at the time. But if they go down the drain, if they go on strike, like, yeah. and there were bin strikes, right? Like in the 70s and it was awful. Um, I, not, I would, we don't remember that, by the way. Um, obviously not. Obviously not. We're way too being young. A, being a, only just about millennial. I don't have yeah. a clue about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So April uh, 2005, you bought a Sony MZ N520 Blue Net mini disc. Fuck yeah. And it was amazing. Yes, I did. And I used it for years. And I had, I used to make mixtapes and I still have my mini, I have my mini discs. They're literally in the cupboard behind me. I still have, I still have my mini discs. I used that oh. religiously. I used it in the gym. I took on a holiday with me. Mini, I don't know why mini discs died. 
Okay, the mini disc was the greatest format ever invented. I even bought an actual mini disc hi-fi. I still what? have it. It's a hi-fi. So I also bought the non-portable mini disc player. I just thought mini discs were great. I thought they were the future um, and they weren't. <laughs> how, how how have they how has the minidisc aged i mean this is great we've got a live minidisc user a little bit of uh, research into the minidisc over time is it still do they still work okay do you still no i don't them? use it anymore like i haven't i haven't played a minidisc for about 10 years <laughs> but at the time i used you know i never went anywhere without it and it was small and it was really good quality and it yeah. had that thing that you could do where you could let's say you bought a mini disc and it could like play 60 minutes of of kind of music you could wasn't it always it. an odd number wasn't it like 72 minutes it was yeah a it was, weird re- number, it was sure. really weird it would always be like 94 95 yeah. what you could do is you could do like you could there was like a button you could press so you could get like four times the length of music on it for slightly less quality. Um, and I think you could do that with VHS and cassette tapes too. You could do that thing where if you had like a 60 minute cassette tape, you could make it 120 minutes. I, f- yes. I, I can't remember what the buttons were. So I used to walk around with like, now you have like all of the music ever on Spotify. Yeah. But I used to yeah. think I was bad because I had like a four hour mini disc full of music. Because you hacked mini discs, you hacked them. It wasn't even a hack. It was like a button you could press. It was, it was that was how it worked. That was the USP. Um, so good so good and I love the fact that you've bought this and you know you've refused to throw it away maybe because of your history and refuse you know that this doesn't you know you don't want this to go into the bin because well, you know what happens actually you're, 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 you will know this because you're a sensible person that loves the earth you've got to reduce reuse before you recycle okay so good. that's I mean I well that's why I didn't throw it away I mean it doesn't work <laughs> it, it, doesn't, it, it's, it literally just stopped working it, um, it, it should be reduce reuse and hoard hoard that, that's well you've got to keep it because i want to show, i want yeah. something to show the kids yeah and also i want my kids to deal with all my shit when i die you know I, i'll be in some <laughs> godforsaken bungalow and they'll be like what is this min i disc min i disc exactly what? i want them to to you make a shrine and yes. that shrine needs to be made of of, of pointless things they don't, that don't work anymore that they don't understand. Yes. Well, I mean, the people will need something to come to when I go. I'm right. thinking of the people. That's what right. I'm thinking of. What will they remember you by? Exactly. You know, one of the greats, Athena Cablet. Let's let's see what we know. Let's go through her belongings. Look at this mini display. What does this tell us about her? And they buried Bin Laden at sea because they didn't want to create like a memorial for him. And mm. let's say I get buried at sea for whatever you know nefarious reason, like. <laughs> I will need items that can then be constructed to make this memorial. That won't be possible because I'll be at the bottom of the Pacific. Um, So, you know, these are all, there's a method to the madness is what I'm saying. I like the idea of planning your tomb. That is great. I've never, I've never taken this podcast in that direction. Uh, 2006, March. Again, you know, it's the only thing you've bought all year. You've gone for a mini MP3, 512 megabytes. (laughs) Um, that's uh, yeah. So you've gone for you've gone for a nice mini display there, uh, not mini display. Sorry, uh, gone for a nice MP3. Is that a creative right? one? What well, brand a- is it? ATMT. This one. I don't. Even, um, I have no recollection of that. It sounds <sighs> like an absolute piece of junk. It sounds yeah, like something. So I used to order a lot of stuff online that would never get delivered. There was so much fraud in the early two thousands on, on with online shopping, and that yes. sounds like something I never owned because I don't yes. have any recollection of it. Um, and it was yes. so common, you would lose your money and you'd have to just like live, like just get on with your life. 
It sounds like I never received that. It's the early noughties equivalent of Instagram shopping, isn't it? Yes. It's just, it's absolute garbage. Well, it's a lovely little device. It looks, I would say it looks exactly like a, a dongle now. Um, and it's got, also, it's really sweet because it's put USB. There's a big, bright, prominent logo of USB. Like, oh my God, the future. It's <laughs> USB. Whoa, it's amazing. As opposed to what we used before, which was... I don't know what we used before USB. String. String. Yeah, we, yeah. Just, tied, we just tied computers up with string. String uh, things. And in. we just used them for decoration. We didn't realise we could link them up and have them be useful. <laughs> bunting. Computer bunting. Computer bunting. That's what, <laughs> do you know what? That would be a good bit of um, reusing. Just turning all this old tech into bunting. Just getting making necklaces out of old MP3 players uh, with you know 212 megabytes or whatever oh, of, of wow. capacity. A robot necklace. There you go, a robot necklace. 2007, she's bought absolutely nothing. <laughs> it's gone quiet. It's like you've only bought Amazon really for music. Oh, then 2008, you're back again. Uh, a couple of books here. Um, Ralph Ellison, Invisible Man, the 20th century classic. Yeah, great book. Yeah, it's about, um, you know, it, it's about, you know, how what it is to be an African-American in America at that time it was written. It's yeah. to be, and then that famously, the man is nameless um, in the book. Um, anyway, it's it's. I mean, it's not very subtle when you think about it, Ralph. Um, <laughs> now I'm now I'm saying it out loud. Uh, but yeah, that I I don't remember buying the book, but I still have the book on my bookshelf. It's right. It's yeah. in my bookshelf in my house. I think you know, harsh to criticise Ralph for <laughs> it's like, for. A... It's like a really like well esteemed book. I can't believe I had something bad to say about it. Can you cut that out, please? That's like a dickhead. <laughs> no, yeah. I'll put up the volume for that bit. I'll make it go even louder. Uh, it's a Penguin classic from 1969, The Invisible Man, uh, by uh, Ralph Ellison. Um, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's got loads of wow. Look at all these reviews on here. Top reviews, uh, five stars. Five stars are cr- excellent and still relevant. Um, difficult but compelling reads. Um, a really powerful book about race in America in the 1950s. Strong themes of the trickster make this a compelling read, though it does drag on at times. All right, sorry. Sorry to this reviewer who's uh, said that. Uh, worth reading as a snapshot of history and historical literature. Don't expect it to be easy. Though. It's not easy. It's a depressing read and it's it's challenging because the protagonist is a victim of society, but he's a victim of his own decisions as well. Um, so it's one of those things where you're like, oh my God, the world is crap. But also this man's response to the world is is doing him no good so, so it's really doubled down the victimhoodness there. absolutely oh, yeah absolutely which yeah, is an, important because something that a lot of these narratives don't have is agency for the main character it, you know you can't just walk around going white supremacy like we have agency as well and so that's why the book is quite challenging yes yes good good okay excellent all right that was in 2007 uh, skipping ahead to 2010 now athena mm. um we've got um the bridge the life and rise of barack obama whatever happened oh god i'm coming off as such an intellectual this is amazing Mate, i'm so glad i'm doing this absolutely deep seriously impressed with you um yeah of course uh pure garage rewind back to the old school yeah. <laughs> I have that, I still have that double CD. I know exactly the CD and it's ba- it's wicked. It's wicked. But going back to the bridge, let's bring it back. Let's bring it back to the bridge. David Remnick, one of my favourite writers, uh, even though he's a bit problematic. Sholama, Sticky, oh, uh, on here as well. Agent X, Double 99. Great classics. bands, great artists. These are, all, these are all classics that if I was to play this right now, it would just be a little rave. It would a little, a little, a little podcast rave. Um. Oh, so good. Um, yeah, maybe you listen. Do you listen to a little bit garage while reading about uh, Barack Obama? Does, is that exactly, a good soundtrack? Because it's important to be um, like highbrow and lowbrow. And garage is highbrow, actually. No, I'm not having this. Look, yes, yeah, I do listen yeah, to. On, yeah. I listen to garage whilst reading um, 
books written by the current editor of the New York Times. Absolutely. Why wouldn't I? Why would I not do that? It makes complete and utter sense. Vitamins B and C and D Get it for myself, for my health, on the cheap Gotta stay in shape, but I'm so lazy Prime online, next day delivery What are you doing with your life, by the way, in 2010? What's- 2010, I'm going through a gross misconduct hearing with my current employer <laughs> oh. Yeah um, Is that because you were pissed after the lunchtime beer and burgers? Do you know what? I wish I was, because then I'd have an excuse um, it, was, it was, I was just, I was sending some dodgy emails Like, just emails with bad language and they right. found them because I was doing it for like a year and a half. So they didn't just find one email and they told me to calm it down. They just stored them all up and then they done me for gross conduct. So I was going through that. It was, that was a civil service job. Um, I was, <laughs> Did you get sacked? No, I kept my job. I kept it. They couldn't put nothing on me. Um, amazing. Which is amazing. Thank God. I mean, I'm very grateful I kept my job at that time. But then I, I was actually the whole, the whole process was so embarrassing. I handed in my notice close after that. It was the best thing I could have done. Um, but, uh, but that was funny. Um, I was, I was also ride. I used to teach people how to ride bikes. So I was doing that on the side cause I hate, my job was so boring. I was like, I've got to do something else in my life. I know I'll just right. ride my bike all day. So, <laughs> so, so hang on. So you were, you were double bubbling. You were, you were working in the civil service and sending absolutely filthy pot, potty mouth yeah, emails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And then you were also a cycling instructor. Yeah. So I'd have to, sometimes I'd go into schools, but I never really developed that part, but you can go into schools and teach kids how to ride bikes. Uh, so I'd be like a assistant instructor there. But what you, I tended to do was just like, just go to people's houses and it would be people who were like wanting to ride their bike to work basically, but they'd never ridden yeah. on the road before. So yeah. then I would take them out for a couple of hours and we'd just go, I'd, you know, it'd be like, this is how you indicate left. This is how you indicate right. This is how you use a roundabout. And I'd teach them about their gears and some of them would be interested in like bike mechanics. So I'd teach them a little bit about you know, how to, you know, have their bike not be shit. Um, and yeah, and that was a great job, horrible pay. And you'd meet these mammals, um, oh, you know, wow. middle-aged men in Lycra who like yeah. just try to like prove how fast they were by like outrunning you. And you'd just be like, I'm a bandy-legged 28-year-old. Like you're impressing <laughs> no one, you know, like I'm here to teach you how to ride a bike. You know what I mean? So just like keep it social. <laughs> are, you, are you suggesting that, and I wouldn't want to cast any aspersions, but there's a certain type of mammal who has a bit of a chip on their shoulder and is ultra competitive. Um, suggesting that is the case, yes. Um, <laughs> you shock me. So it was always really pleasant to teach women how to ride because there was humility there. Like they would be genuinely scared of riding on the road yeah. and they would genuinely want help to ride their bikes from A to B without getting run over and becoming mm. bonnet pizza. Um, <laughs> oh, bonnet pizza. Uh, oh, God. We used to say this to the kids. We'd be like, and what happens if you don't look? Bonnet pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Which I look back and that's probably not the ideal. Um, oh, Curb quiche. Let's <laughs> keep going. Quiche, yeah. Um, so it, um, asphalt meatballs and all that. So, <laughs> so, um, uh, but yeah, so sort of women tended to be like really grateful and a lot of guys would be like, Oh, I don't know why I'm doing this. It's just my workplace maybe. And you just sort of think, Jesus Christ, like they're pain and your workplace is paying for this. You know what I mean? Just enjoy the, yeah. enjoy the ride. Um, do you think when they turned up and saw a young woman on a bike who was their teacher, do you think they had issues at that moment where they're like, the fuck? This, this, <laughs> course, this course must be Mickey Mouse. Possibly, yeah. I think, yeah, they must have thought, especially because I used to, I was, I'm very, um, not anti like professional cycling, but I always think if you want people to ride bikes, Lycra and Four Grand uh, Tifosis aren't going to, aren't going to, 
cut it, you know. So I had like a normal road bike. I'd turn up in, I'd wear jeans on my bike, for example. Mm. I'd wear mm. normal clothes. So they would sort of think that's not serious. And I'm like, riding a bike is like what children do. It shouldn't be something that is... Yeah, like you've got to go to Evans and buy all this stuff and you've got to have your feet stuck to your pedals like you're going to Tesco's like so I was always like an advocate for just like down to earth every day get on your bike and go to where you're going cycling as opposed to lifestyle cycling so I think right you're so right it's so weird though that you get a certain type of and it is I'm afraid often a certain type of middle-aged white man who does this who turns to cycling which is ultimately a kid's thing. It's not like you don't get, you know, middle-aged men suddenly really getting into hopscotch. <laughs> like they really turn on bikes and they have to, they, they feel like, I don't know, maybe it was the sort of post-2012 Olympics thing uh, and, and sort of this tour, winning the Tour de France as British people then suddenly started doing. Oh yeah, but yeah. Team Sky. Team Sky have a lot to answer for in terms of making yeah. cycling. Into, but also the, sorry to rant, but also British cycling in general. Like I used to be well into like the cycling community and campaigning and stuff like that. And I just kind of lost interest. I think what, there was one specific thing. There was a big old, Old annual conference from I think it was from British Cycling did it I can't remember it was just like a very a national cycling organisation I got an invite and it was at this golf club in the middle of nowhere and I just thought like for, like for me I just sort of think cycling is like such a positive thing for people it's great for cities it's great for people living in the countryside it's great for kids it's great for adults it's great for old people we should be doing everything in our power to make it as inclusive and accessible as possible and you're holding your big national conference that you want everyone to go to in the middle of nowhere in this golf club and I just thought it just stinks of privilege and ignorance and and it like this is not going to result in a change you want to see which is just people just kind of riding bikes so I kind of lost interest in and like on the other end of the spectrum spectrum you get people who want to like turn big cities into little Amsterdams and like Amsterdam is a city with about a million people that's completely flat like it's just not gonna it's just not gonna work um Mm. so you get the hippies on one end and you get the mammals on the other end and it's just like oh chaos um so I withdrew from from all of that kind of malarkey um ironically you walked away I walked away from it yeah if you will subscribe to our podcast you know it's all about how to get the most out of your partner and we're partners so we know all about it it's good Get it wherever you want to get it when you go and get it from your podcast place. Richard and Greta. You know? You know? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Um, we've got up from slavery and autobiography of Booker T. Washington. Yes, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's really it's one of those essential reads. It's one of those books that everyone told you to read when it was Black History, Black Lives Matter, or whatever last summer. Well, that was on the mm. reading list. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a very middle class book, and it, it, you know, it's very conservative in the sense that you know we have to rise up with hard work and fortitude and all that stuff. It's just I have that book on my bookshelf as well. Um, I don't know what to say about it really. I don't. I don't think it's as helpful as we 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 think it is. Mm. But Booker T. Washington. Well, because the idea is the, the the idea is you don't change the system. You just fight harder. Was that what you? Yeah. What you mean? There's a, there's an element of kind of pull your socks up about it. Um, yes, which is which is important. Um, but like it's only, a, only part of it. It's, yeah. I always think that you should read ruminations from across the spectrum if you're trying to read progressive books, and that is of from a part of the spectrum that's important to understand. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, also in June 2011, An Image of Africa, The Trouble with Nigeria. Yeah, great book. Uh, Chinua Chibe, yeah. Um, mm. Written in the 70s, early 80s, I think. Um, very short book, almost like a long essay, but uh, a very important book if you're interested in post-colonial Nigeria. Right, okay. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I, feel like I, I bet you never imagined it. You didn't imagine it. You thought, oh, I'm going to get Athena one and she'll look, she'll look, she'll have ordered um, <laughs> toasters with radios on them. You know, like garbage. Here we are talking about post-colonial Nigeria. Um, Listen, you know, I've amazing. worked with you. I know, I, this doesn't surprise me at all. I know that you're going to be reading this stuff. It's... Um, it's just, it's just really interesting. Um, the Rise and Fall of Marks and Spencer by Judy oh, I Bevan. Oh, I bought that because I did a postgrad in business development. Um, and that was a book that we needed and it was just never in the library. So I just bought that off of Amazon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I got, a, mm-hmm. I got a distinction for that. It's FYI. <laughs> FYI. You had to tell me that. Yeah. It's impossible not to say. I, I did, uh, there was a thing called the English speaking board exam when I was 10 and I got a <laughs> distinction in that. And if ever I, for whatever reason, tell people about an English speaking board exam, I also have to say straight away, I got a distinction. It's just like important. It, it's a very important point that I did a postgrad in it, it was management or business management or something yeah I got, and my this is this is what um this is what was crazy the my employer paid for it at the time and my employer was the or the people that dummy for gross misconduct <laughs> so they, Way. isn't that funny um so that's how little I respect my employer like they were paying for me to do a degree and I was just faffing about all day on their email system which is uh, <laughs> terrible which is you know I'm very glad that I don't do that anymore because if I'd stayed in the workplace I would I don't know what I'd be done for treason or something like it, it would have gotten bad it would have been bad <laughs> I'm desperate to know what were you doing on the emails just what? everything come on check her emails it's getting like Hillary Clinton <laughs> it, look it, yeah it was bad it was worse than Clinton it was just, oh, it was wow. just like, you know, there was a lot, cause I was talking to two like friends, like, you know, so think about what you chat about with your friends, you know, like, yeah, and it, you know, it got intimate, you know, we're talking about dating, mm. birds and the bees. So we mm. weren't using language like birds and the bees, obviously. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, a lot, of, a, lot like of pers- a lot of my personal life was revealed in that tribunal. Definitely. Yeah. Oh my God, that's hilarious. I bet you like, but you know, come on WhatsApp. Why didn't you exist back then? It would have been so much easier. God, wouldn't it? Back then you had to delete your text messages when it got too full. So obviously you were going to use email because it was just yes, convenient. Of course, of course. I checked my text messages the other day on my iMessage. I've got eight gigabytes of text messages on my phone. Eight 
Could you imagine? And it's like, you've got to keep the receipts, right? You've got to keep right. them. These are receipts. Yeah. So, Well, again, part of my uh, my digital tomb, as we discussed earlier on. You know, I've got to keep all this stuff. Telling, telling my story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you know, it's like, it's like that Black Mirror episode where they resurrect that guy based on his social media profile. Uh, oh, I've not seen that. Oh, it's oh, one. It's, I think it's wow. one. Like, it's one of the early ones. I think it's one of the Channel Four ones. Um, but it's a pretty old one. But it, they right. resurrect somebody who dies, and they use his social media profile to kind of like get him like really accurate. Um, but I don't, there are things that I don't put online, um, so it won't be accurate if they do it to me. It would just be like my online persona, um, mm. and I don't know if that's it. Would just, so I'd be. Like it'd be a shame because I guess my online persona is a bit of an asshole, so, so it'd be a misrepresentation of me, I think, which is a shame. But I should probably do start to be a bit nicer online. Do you think somewhere Lawrence Fox is saying the same thing? <laughs> I just I am a bit of an asshole online. Do you think I should be nicer? Do you think I should let them know the truth? Yeah. Um, yes, I think that's exactly what he's saying. He's probably a, yeah. he's probably a gentleman offline. Absolutely lovely guy, I'm sure. Um, let's move on. Nightclubbing, Grace Jones. Yeah, brilliant great Grace album. Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a brilliant album. Yeah, Slave to the Rhythm as well, 4th of June 2012. Um, so good. Condoleezza Rice, a memoir of my extraordinary, ordinary family and me. So Condoleezza Rice, that's basically um, uh, what she did was she had a memoir and then she decided to write a memoir um, that was specifically for young readers. So that's a really quick book to read. It's basically for like teenagers and it's about um, her life. It's oh, a good idea. Yeah, and it's just basically what I really like about it is because a lot of people might be like, Condoleezza Rice, Sarah Bush, Republican, blah, blah, blah. But a lot yeah. of the things that she believes and a lot of um, her childhood and her pathway into kind of politics is, is really i think instructive for people who maybe want to get into that line of 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 work so to speak but maybe don't come from backgrounds that that are you normally you know you don't expect someone like Condoleezza Rice who comes from like segregated Birmingham Alabama to speak Mm. fluent Russian be an expert in Middle Eastern foreign policy be a a, a, she's like a incredibly high level figure state skater she used to compete for America what yeah yeah and she's a classically trained pianist um, so she talks oh about God. the the household environment that engendered that kind of kind of thirst for learning, and she talks about her decision making progress process into kind of becoming a kind of politician, and she just talks about kind of like um, like she talks about race like a lot really, and yeah. um, about and it's just it really what I like about it is it's really especially now we're in this habit of going oh well you're right wing you're conservative you're the enemy, and it's like when yes. I d- and I defy anyone to read that book in particular, and especially if they're left wing and disagree with the things she says, she's actually really sensible about um when she talks about kind of be having high attainment but coming from um you know a generally kind of oppressed part of the population it's a really great book i really like it i it's and i can't wait for my kids to read it i hope it i hope they get something from it they probably won't they'll probably be like mom i just want to read like <laughs> just 17 and secret seven or whatever the fuck kids read um but i think that's a really good book i recommend it to a lot of people with with kind of old youngish older kids who are looking to think about what they want to do with their lives it's such an important idea, though, to to present your life to a younger reader. That's something I've never especially if you're high, a high achiever. Like she's an actually like like I said, she's just uh, uh, she's a uh, what's the word I'm looking for when you're talented at see polymath. She's a polymath. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and so when you're that kind of person, I think it's really good to kind of just open your brain up like an onion and just unpeel it for people. Um, yes, and, to present it to the world for exa- scientific examination. Yeah, and also it's really easy to see people at the end of their journeys and not understand the kind of the 10,000 hours that it took to get to where they are. Um, mm. I mean, she was almost seconding. People talk about um, uh, Kamala Harris and where mm. she's vice president, but, she, you know, Condoleezza Rice was a not, not a million miles away from 
that kind of authority at all. And so. do you think because because she's regarded, well, she's, technically she's right wing, she's a Republican, but because she's re- regarded as that, as a role model, so as, as a woman of colour, as a role model, do you think she's being passed over a bit? Absolutely. Um, it's, a, it's a real f- uh, blind spot people on the left have, like, People, yeah. conservatives have always elevated non-white people into into senior positions faster than left-wingers. This is always look at the conservative cabinet now. When Labour were in power, fifteen years, they never had one um, non-white cabinet member. That was, and he was the cabinet member for something boring. Like it was like it was a ridiculous. I can't even. God, is that true? That, yeah, absolutely, absolutely true. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can't remember his name. Oh, anyway, you can Google this. Um, mm. It was in the nineties. He became the first black cabinet member. Um, and, but that was it. Whereas if you now we've got Priti Patel, Sergeant Javid was obviously in, in the cabinet. Wish you soon that was the Chancellor. I mean, yeah. you know, this is you know, this is just. Uh, and I'm, I get it. Like you don't like representation doesn't mean like if their if their politics are bad, then their politics are bad. But the truth the truth is that right wing governments tend to elevate non white people mm. more than left wing governments do. This is just you look at it. That's how it is. So. Um, yeah. So we, yeah, there's definitely a tendency to kind of gloss over those achievements. I can't believe this is such an important comment. Uh, so it's Paul Botang. Paul Botang. Paul Botang, yes. Thank you. So uh, what, was he, enters... what was he cabinet office for? Uh, what well, was this he... is the thing. So it was something really crappy. It was like... Yeah. 2002, yesterday entered the history books as Britain's first black cabinet minister, a full 110 years since the election of the first non-white MP at Westminster. He was uh, appointed as the chief secretary to the treasury. I mean, I don't know. There are more. There are definitely much bigger jobs in the it's, cabinet. That's it's, for sure. Yeah, it's not one of the headline ones, is it? Um, uh, Ghanaian Paul. Oh, so like, big up, big up, big up Paul. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's uh, uh, yeah. So you know, like I said, Labour had a lot of years to 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 establish a kind of precedent for just representation. Do you know, that feels like, it feels like when you find out that women weren't allowed to vote. I'm sure there's a fact about this. Women weren't allowed to vote in Switzerland until the 1960s or some or 70s. Oh like yeah, I, saw, I was reading about that the other day. It was on the news as well. Um, just going back to Condoleezza Rice, um, she yeah. talks about why she's a Republican. And this oh, yeah. is a really simple reason. Her parents went to register to vote um, in the Democrats' office. They went, we want to register as voters, we want to register as Democrats. And the Democrats yeah. wouldn't allow them. So they were like, oh, we'll, we'll be Republican then. And that was that's why the family why? became a Republican family. They were denied um, registration because for, uh, through the Democratic Party. This was in Birmingham, Alabama. So, um, and again, like people forget, but like under you know before civil rights were enacted, that that, that those were democratic governments uh, yeah. in America. Um, so it's just basically this binary line we have between left and right, and particularly in America, Democratic and Republican, and even here, Conservative and and Labour. That that binary line is actually a lot more um, is a lot more osmosis. Um, than than yeah. we when we like to acknowledge. It reminds me of uh, Nimco Ali. Do you know Nimco? Yes, I know Nimco. Like a really divisive figure because she's somebody who um, like is like the left people, left people, people like. But also she champions right wing kind of ideals. Like she, she's she's a, uh, she's a fellow Welshie as well. She certainly spent a lot of time in her childhood in, in Cardiff, and um, she ended up she she approached Boris Johnson in the street to talk about uh, FGM. Yes, and he was and she says he was absolutely amazing. He was the only but she was writing uh, emails and letters to her MPs who happened to be Labour and they were not doing anything. And she approached him in the street when he was mayor, and he was absolutely amazing. And same with Gove, and they they, they both followed up on it. And this you know sticks in my throat because I'm I'm a Labour voter. Well, I'm certainly you know I'm not a Tory, and 
you know, it's just a fact. And, and as a result, she is now signed up, signed up Tory. She's no, like, I, absolutely. And why shouldn't she be? There's actually nothing wrong right. with being a conservative. Like having most of us, and when I say us, I mean people from kind of like, um, let's call them Southern, Southern Hemisphere countries come from conservative countries. Yeah. You know, like we don't, we come from places with no welfare state, for example. Uh, we come yeah. from places where you have to pay for education and we think that's normal. Um, you know, we come from places where it's like work hard, start a business, go to university, get a degree and all that kind of stuff. These are very conservative yeah. ideals. So we, we don't just kind of like land on the, in the UK and just be like, hey, we're li- liberal now. Um, what is very true about Nimka Ali's um, experiences is that because of um, the racism in, in the left that is un, that maybe isn't acknowledged. They'll be mm. like, oh, okay, well, we don't want to we don't want to talk about FGM because we only want to we don't want to say like, oh, this you know people from these countries are bad or people from these Muslim countries are bad or whatever. But it's like it's there are people here that need help. You can't, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like you have to if you see bad practices in in people's cultures or religions that need to stop, um, then you need to talk about them. You can't just say, oh, we don't want to talk about them because we don't want to look racist. That in itself is 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 racist. Um, and also, it's just, you just got me on something. Like, it's, always, it's very important. When we talk about patriarchy, we only ever talk about kind of like white male patriarchy, but patriarchy is just crushing people all over the world, in India, in the Congo, in Eastern uh, Africa, in South Africa. And like, it's not racist to talk about these things at all. Like patri- white, white male patriarchy is nowhere near as bad as the kind of patriarchy you face up to like that where people have to deal with in South Africa for example where you'll just get murdered if you're like a black lesbian like the, yeah. you know uh, or in America you know if you're a black trans woman your, your life expectancy is like 40 or something like this is the stuff we need to talk about because it's happening mm. and people are victims mm. of it um, and the thing is we are talking about it but we do need kind of like quote unquote white ally, allies to kind of like run with it and that's exactly what happened to Nimco Ali she talked to Boris she talked to Michael and they were like what's happening is awful we, yeah. we want to help you um, so when we talk about kind of like the racism in the left and their blind spots and the frustrations we kind of feel, that's, uh, you know, a lot of the, that is actually Nimco Ali's story really in- encapsulates that. Yeah, yeah, it is absolutely fascinating stuff. It really is. And it's, um, it's, it's, it's complex, right? It's complex. This is the I'm going gonna, gonna to challenge on that. It's actually not complex at all. I think if it's not, it's the least complex thing in the world to see what's happening in front of your face and deal with it objectively. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot of hand wringing on the left. Yes, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like you don't. This is a woman who is saying we want to stop cutting girls. We're tired of it. Okay, mm. we want to stop. And there shouldn't be any debate or argument about mm. the fact that it needs to stop and that we need to strategize ways to 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 end it. And um, mm. I think I think what I mean by and you're right to challenge on it, it, it. Obviously, is is by complicated. I mean this sort of sensitivity i think i feel really scared to uh aff- to to offend and to get tangled up in in saying the wrong thing and that stalls people's instincts which instincts like you just said of course should be well this has to stop well this can't go forward but people get stalled and people get become paralyzed by fear of offending people yeah uh, absolutely know, that is the problem i think that's the problem and that that means that people are trying to be progressive for the wrong reasons if you're trying to be progressive to look good then obviously you're going to second guess everything you say but if you're trying to be progressive because you just want equality and you want the world to be a better place you'll be happy to stumble into um into maybe like incorrect waters because you'll be happy to be corrected does that make sense? Um, yeah. So, and I think that's the one thing I will say, it is a little easier if you're not white because, you know, like 
I'm used, we talk about race all the time. I mean, we don't wake up and be like, oh my God, race. But what I mean is the lexicon of race is, is really kind of natural if you are a non-white person, because it's something you, you learn from a long, young age, there's something not quite right about the world. And you can then talk yes. about it. If the lexicon of race is kind of new to you, it's harder, I think, to, to manage. You know, if you're getting it from a, a place of, this is your life experience, then it's easy. But if you're getting it from a place of, you have to do this. Does that mean sense? If if it's coming from if you if you can if you can avoid it, and sadly you can avoid it if you're white because you can just go for your life and be yeah, yeah, it's great. If you can avoid it, you have to make an actual choice to do it and talk about it. And with that choice, has to come a lot of learning. And not everyone can but obviously do learning. And if you don't do learning, then it can be very uncomfortable. I feel um, like I want to I want to be on a, a bike with you uh, <laughs> by a roundabout, but instead of instead of cycling on the road, I need you to guide me through this because it's true. You know, I I can remember saying when I was like 21, 22 and first doing stand up. You know, there's loads of great uh, comics of color and stuff, and I'd say he's great because he talks about being black all the time. And fuck, you know, I look back now, that's the best part of twenty years ago, and I'm like, Jesus Christ! I mean, wh- I, I had no idea. Yeah, and it's I had no idea. It is funny because, like, first of all, race is just a wonderful, rich vein to pull humour from. But white comics talk about being white all the time. It's just, of course they do. Just take it for granted, right? When yeah, you, that's, that's about your, the default. When you talk yeah. about your your hood extract, your aluminium hooded extractor fan or yeah. fabric conditioner, well, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I sound like yeah. I've got no white friends. Like, this is what we other people do. They use fabric conditioner. I, I don't know. <laughs> what what I mean is like just that. The you know, Paul. Um, who's a northern northern fat guy? Um, but, uh, uh, Peter Kay Peter Kay talks about, talks about being white all the time that's his whole act this is you know that's literally you know um, Alan Carr talks about being a white gay man all the time that's his whole you know Sarah Milligan talks about being a white woman all the time that's literally her act you know and yeah. this isn't criticism by the way so if no. I go on stage and talk about supermalt and cocoa butter I'm just talking about my life you know um, so it's it's and it's that rec- it's that realisation that oh I'm white and I have a race too you yes. know, that's a really important realisation. So like, we all have a race. This is not something that is, it's just that the the power structure means we have different life experiences based on that, but we all have a race. And it is, what annoys me then is, so for example, the, what you, the thing you just said about white people have a race too, and we have to understand that. It, and that's something which really, I, I, I sort of learned when I read um, why I'm no longer talking um, to white people about race. Like that, reading that book just made me go, oh, fuck. Like it's, you know, this series of things and i was really like the woke thing of, of feeling like yeah i feel like i have awoken up to this thing that is, is happening and yet the way that the word woke has been weaponized as a negative now really fucking pisses me off like it really pisses me off because i only see that as a positive thing i know some people take woke maybe too far and i understand there are some you know there's some extreme examples where um arguments come about and blah 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 but as a, as a sort of this sort of core idea of stopping looking at the privilege that you live in checking it and then looking out onto other people and trying to learn and understand and take the criticism when you say the wrong thing like that's only a positive thing that's only going to help i think yeah i mean i'm definitely a, a champion of of the word progressive like don't we mm. want to just constantly be in a state of forward motion as people and mm. i mean woke is is basically african-american terminology that kind of is black people just took over generally and now everyone uses it but it just means like woke used to mean like knowledge of self it used to mean as black people do you understand do you understand why we straighten our hair do you understand why light-skinned people are more preferred to dark-skinned people do you understand the conditioning and then okay fine do you understand that we come from a big continent where there was lots of history before slavery and all this stuff that's what woke meant woke just meant we are indoctrinated under this kind of like education system which teaches us about whiteness and europeanness so be woke like undo all of that and unlearn all of that and and find a, a better 
place to to kind of form your you know form your identity from actual facts mm. that haven't been um adulterated with this like kind of corruption um mm. and that's a good thing and everyone can do that being woke is 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 brilliant and the kind of people who don't like being woke are the kind of people who either a don't understand it or and a lot of people don't understand it by the way i think there's a genuine misunderstanding as to what it means because obviously it doesn't come it comes from a space they don't occupy it comes from a black space so if you don't mm-hmm. if you're not in that space you're not gonna understand it and some of it comes from people who do understand it and they're terrified by it because it means yeah. they will lose things they will lose their their statues of people that look like them. They will lose the curriculum that champions there are and no one else's. They will lose yeah. their um, the affirmative action that benefits them, right? Because affirmative action exists for everybody, for white people. It's always existed. What we're saying is we want to now have that privilege. Um, yeah. So when it and that scares the shit, yeah, because all of a sudden, what they what these people feel they're entitled to is is with wokeness, it, it will eventually be taken away. Um, so it, it's, but I, yeah, it's. I don't. I tend not to defend the word woke. So uh, you've gotten, <laughs> you've gotten uh, an exclusive there because I tend. I get bored defending it because I feel like it's. Why would you not want to inform yourself of the way that we've all been kind of indoctrinated and and misinformed about history and the present? Really, why would we not? It's bizarre. That's what I mean. Why would we not? Why would? What, sorry. Why is that bad? Why? Why? Why are people telling? Why is? Yeah. Why is the the government the other day saying there's going to be an anti woke agenda? So, like, why? What? Anti, what? Anti, why? Anti, why that's that? anti education. You know. Right. Anti education. Right. You know. There was that um that black MP Quake uh was like, oh, we don't we don't want to decolonize the curriculum. We actually want to teach people about um the empire. Like that's the exact. That's what we want. <laughs> like yeah. we, when we say decolonize the curriculum, we we're dying to teach our kids about how empire works, and not yeah. just the British Empire. Actually, the Chinese had an empire, the Portuguese mm. had an empire, the French had an empire, the Belgians had an empire. We want to talk about empire in like, the full context of it. The Egyptians had an empire. The Roman, like yeah. we're dying to talk. You know, I personally would love for people to understand the concept of empire, like the geopolitical concept of empire, and not just think Britain was the only people that did it. And and but so I think Crazy generally doesn't understand woke. I don't think he's smart enough to to, to feel threatened by it and therefore want to undo it. He's so dumb. Yeah. He just doesn't. He can't get his head around it. I mean, this is all fine, but why are you buying so much shea butter? Oh man, because it's wonderful. You should get involved. <laughs> it's not. It's not kinky. I, it's not kinky. Yeah, come on. It's not more. It's not. I've, I have skin, and um, I keep it moisturized with cream that I make myself. Um, and here's a tip. Buy shea butter, melt it down in a pot with some like olive oil. Um, olive oil is great. Sunflower oil is wonderful for your skin as well. Um, and once it's once it's done, pour it into like a container. Stick that container mm. in the freezer. Okay. Let it solidify. Yeah. If you let it solidify at room temperature, it will become grainy. It's got to solidify really quickly. Take yeah. it out of the freezer, defrost it. You've got a lovely skin cream. Really? Lovely. I'm 59 years old, Tom. <laughs> 59. <laughs> You'd never guess though, would you? It's just the shea. It's, the shea. I, it's not shea, it's shea butter. Is that how you say it? Oh, shea. who knows how to say it? Shea, 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 shea butter. It is shea butter. It's pure butter. <laughs> Fuck, I, I can't believe we've just gone from a, a 20 minute discussion about the you know the woke agenda <laughs> to uh, a recipe for a moisturizer. It's yeah, absolutely brilliant. I, I make my own cream. And uh, yeah, I, I've stopped buying from Amazon. I now use a black supplier for my shea butter. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's that's funny, and there's, there'll be loads of it. So you're going to think this is really I quite kinky. It. It's not. I, I swear it. to God. 
Sure, 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 sure. Um, okay, we've got a we've got a lovely featherweight lightweight vacuum cleaner here. April twenty fourteen. Yeah, that's for my mum because nice. she's uh, she lives alone. She needs something that is a light that she can use to keep her house clean. Um, and my 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 brother brother I don't know what it is about brothers, but they they love to be helpful. But what they do is never helpful. And my brother have brought her this vacuum cleaner once, and it was just so heavy. And she's got right. bad, mum's got bad shoulders, bad back. So when it when it broke, I was like, thank God. And I was like, I'm replacing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm replacing the vacuum and I uh, uh, I bought her that one and she still uses it to this day she uses that same vacuum to this day we bought that it's, it's a good idea we bought a new vacuum cleaner quite recently and my wife used it in our uh, bathroom upstairs we've got a very small small house and a small small bathroom and uh, she just came out of the bathroom and went I've just she's trying to hoover the bathroom she came out of the bathroom and said I've just smashed the bathroom to pieces and basically the hooverer is just fucking enormous and heavy they're horrible things they Ghastly are and things. They, 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 yeah, they don't, they don't need to be as heavy as they are. When no, uh, absolutely not. But that one is yeah. like it's, it's the one that you're looking at is almost it's like a hand vacuum with a stick on it, which Lovely is perfect stuff. for my mum. It's Lovely perfect. Stuff. Yeah. Um, okay, from Hoover's to eleventh uh, of July, twenty fourteen. Palestinian walks notes on a vanishing landscape. Yeah, that beautiful book. Yeah, beautiful book. It's about somebody who is literally watching um, Palestine be kind of the borders of Palestine changing, and he's a mm. walker. So he spends his time walking. So he, and it's it's a very sad and and moving book. It, it's, it's weird. The Israel is the Israel Arab the Arab Israeli conflict is something I try to be opinionated on, but I can't seem to collate as the the information that I need to be. There's just so much history, yeah. um, and there's just, it's just so too much history for me to even know what I need to read to form an opinion oh, on it. But I try yeah, to be empathetic yeah. with with both sides, and that's a really good book. That just you know what it's like to look at a country that you used to love just not just change you know literally change like have the border just move and you know people move into houses that you used to know someone who lived in and all of you know farms being suddenly built in places that used to roam freely through and stuff like that it's a beautiful book Mm. Yeah, there are so many stories, aren't there, from that whole that whole epic saga of, of human history, and I, I wouldn't even know where to start. Exactly like you say, I would literally go into that situation and go, like, if someone said to express an opinion on the on the Israeli Palestine thing, I would literally be like, so imagine you know being live on air, on, <laughs> you're on five live. I just be comes like coughing, you. like, <laughs> oh, can we, you know, I just have to find some excuse to not not talk. Um, but what, what I would say is human stories are the way to go. So books like that yeah, are the way to yeah. go. Like, okay, that's hit from the mouths of people who are living it. Like that's, those are the stories you want to, you want to start with. And that's yeah. true for any history, to be fair. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 21st of February, 2015, black double-sided foam tape, a little bit of gaffer tape in your life here. Yeah. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I don't know what I use that for. Possibly mm-hmm. to tie up somebody who ends up in the boot of my car. Um, yeah, that makes sense. But it's double-sided. Yeah. So why would I want so to tie... you could tie two people up. Then, t- that's right? exactly what it was. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Um, always nice to see gaffer tape. It always just raises a slight question. I have no um, idea what I use that for. Yeah, no, they're probably an event. I see lots of events. It's like gaffer, you always need gaffer tape for events. You need gaffer tape for life. Gaffer tape is one of my greatest friends in the cupboard. Oh, God. Bloody. The amount of times you think, have we got any gaffer tape in the house? Let's get some gaffer. Can you bring up the gaffer? I literally said that to my wife. That I was hosting a Zoom quiz at the school and I wanted to stick something up in the background. Can you just bring the gaffer upstairs? And at no point did she say, why the fuck do you need gaffer tape? <laughs> Imagine bringing you. the gaffer tape that is going to be used to like imprison you. Like, can you bring it upstairs? Oh, damn. If I hadn't done that, I wouldn't be imprisoned <laughs> right just, now. Oh, shit, I've just dug my own grave. This is fucking awful. Um, look, hooray, 21st of December, you bought your own toaster. On my mate bought a toaster. Woohoo! Did I buy a toaster? I don't remember. What colour was it? 
It's the Russell Hobbs. It's the one four eight one six. Oh, is it red? Oh. Yeah, that yeah, toast. Actually, no, it's not. It's polished stainless steel. I oh, that would be a toaster for my mum. Then that'd be in my mum's toaster. Yeah. Buying toasters. Yeah. Oh, Christmas time. Great Christmas present. Oh God, I hope I didn't buy my mum a toaster for Christmas. That'd be really lame. Um, <laughs> toaster in a kettle. I've wrapped it up a little bow on it. Oh no, it's mine. I tell a lie. That's my toaster. <laughs> I've I moved house. Yes, that's my toaster. It's not my mum's. It's. Do you know what? I've got a red. I've got a red toaster now. But oh, yeah. when I didn't live in the house living now, when I lived in my old place, um, I had to move because I got knocked up. Um, so in my old place, um, that's that's the toaster and the kettle in my old place, yeah. Right, right, okay, okay. So pregnancy brought you a new toaster. Absolutely. You'd be surprised how expensive pregnancy is. You need all sorts. Yeah, yeah, got to get a red toaster now. I'm up the duff. Um, so when did, you get, when did you get pregnant, please? Um, the first time around, it was mm-hmm. 2018, early 2018. 2018 right okay well, we're not there yet we're still earlier we're still in 2016 at the moment we've got microwaves uh yeah so that's have... 2016 when i when i moved house so i needed to buy it. you're going to see lots of house related stuff in 2016 yes yes, yes good we've got an easy chime wireless doorbell kit yes. setting up home so were you living by yourself were you with, living with so the guy i was living so in 2016 that's when i moved to a place by myself so i was living in a house share i was living in house shares up to that point up until that point right. when i left up when i moved out of my mom's house i just lived in house shares and in 2016 i moved to my own place what was that like brilliant i had a great time it was it was brilliant i still i still th- i mean obviously i love my kids love my partner but fucking hell living alone was great you know it was just brilliant <laughs> having that autonomy full ownership of my space the art i wanted the furniture i wanted um it was peace loved it my look i'll, I'll happily go on record and say living alone is for me it's my life I'll, yeah it's for me for real i love I it i think i think any sentence that begins look i love my kids and i love my partner that for me straight away as soon as you say that I'm like yeah come on tell me tell me that's exactly how I feel I'm a big fan of my wife I, I don't my children are wonderful however I I regret not enjoying that more that's something they say isn't it when you've had kids they like oh enjoy. before you have the kids they always say make the most of it enjoy this oh, bit oh yeah I mean like I had I, I mean I was 37 when I gave birth to my first so not like not super old not super young so I had a lot of years to just love you know, being alive and running around and doing my own thing. And I'm very great. <laughs> the I'm, idea that as soon as you've had kids, you stop enjoying Yeah, it's like, alive. oh yeah, God, yeah. like it's like going to prison, isn't it? It's like a sentence. <laughs> but it's it's a different kind of, you know, because I say no a lot now because I, 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 you know, no, I can't because of mm. the kids really. And also because of my life situation, like it's just way more expensive. So I'm like, no, I can't. It's, you know, it's not uh, sustainable. You know, when you're in comedy, you get asked to do things for like no money. So you, you have less time to do that when you, you need a lot to kind of, feed children and keep the heating on and stuff. Uh, so that time where my living expenses were sort of quite modest and my time was 100% mine to do with as I pleased, you, I can't yeah. deny how happy it made me. I was really, yeah, it was great. Oh God, I love looking into your brain. Look at this, <laughs> this is great. Um, uh, 30th, 30th of September, The African Origin of Civilization, Myth or Reality? Yeah, another, another really good book. It's about um, how... All around the world, there are artifacts and, and kind of archaeological wonders that people don't understand, but we know they had origin in Africa. So they were, there were big sculptures in Mexico that, and they looked like sculptures of African heads, for example. Right, and there's right. flora and fauna in South America that we know comes from West Africa, but the only way it could have gotten over there is via a boat. Right. Um, there were traditions in, there were Mayan traditions, for example, that, and depictions of sort of black or brown skinned people who they would only have seen if, if Africans had gone over there. Um, so this book is basically collates all this evidence that um, people from sub-Saharan Africa um, traveled the world before other people. And we know they did because like, you know, we, middle, 
the, we talk about Britain as a seafaring nation, but actually the first seafaring nations were in the, from the Middle East. They, the sail was invented in the Middle East. Um, so, because um, uh, obviously like in modern history, that is the case, like Britain became a naval power. But for centuries, even millennia before that, it was people from the Middle East and China. You know, the, the first people to step on Australia who weren't Australians, quote unquote, were Chinese. So Chinese got there before James Cook. Anyway, but going on from that, that because basically collates the evidence of how the how Africans could have travelled around the world. Obviously, we don't have any proper evidence because a lot of that stuff was destroyed, blah, blah, blah. But it just collates like all of the evidence that we have that Africans possibly travelled the world way yeah. before we, we even realised they did. Yeah. And it's such an important narrative. Yeah, massively, massively narrative. so, yeah. But it, it just it just makes sense. Like, yeah, it, yeah. the hu- human endeavour and human curiosity is consistent, like, wherever you and are in the world. And it's not exclusive to white it, people. It, it, That's the and, thing. And, and specifically to, like, kind of, like, Western Europeans. Like, yeah. it's just... And we know this, like, the, the Egyptian empire lasted for about 4,000 years. 4,000 years, okay? 4,000, The yeah, British yeah, empire yeah. lasted for 100 years. So yeah. why are we sitting around thinking that they were just sitting around with this empire, just scratching their bums? Like they were, <laughs> they were massively um, into expansion and their own kind of colonialism and domination and education and medicine and science. And we know they were because a lot of what we do comes from, from this, but we don't always. But it's just, just been put on mute. Dots. It's just yes, been put on mute. That's such a good way to put it. That's the best way to put it. It's been put on mute and um, they're on the Zoom call trying to tell us all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, we're just yeah, yeah. <laughs> ignoring them. The, yeah. the person that runs the Zoom call has just muted them. Um, yeah, exactly. So You're going to have to direct message me, mate. I'm going to knit that. That'd be a really good sketch. <laughs> oh, absolutely. 100% is yours. <laughs> That's, yeah, yeah. I'll put, I'll, put, I'll put you in small, like, font eight. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Happily except font eight. Um, equally, again, similar stuff. God, this is really I must make sure I update this. Uh, I, I do a list of everything my guests have bought and I put it on Amazon. And um, I must put this on there as well. They came before Columbus. Journal oh, yeah. So another, again, another book. Yeah, another book about um, just uh, the previous to the other book, like how we have evidence that Africans were seafarers. I should say accidental seafarers as well. So there's a story about uh, the Malian, uh, you know, Mansa Musa, who's like, he's known as the richest man that ever lived because he was, but he had a, a brother who just got bored one day. So he built a flotilla of ships um, and he just sort of went on them and just never came back. And it, there was speculation that he found the uh, east coast of South America. Um, and there's evidence that he may or may not have done that. And it's all historical. Like, you know, it's happened such a long time ago. No one knows. Um, but it's just, uh, and it's, it's sort of half mythology, half history. But he might have accidentally crossed the Atlantic and he might have ended up in South America and his flotilla might be the reason why there's so many African-descended artefacts and African-descended histories and stories um, in in South America. Um, And it's really interesting... uh, uh, sort of thesis and that's that's covered in that book right okay god i love it i love <laughs> all this sort of stuff uh okay moving on now we're coming into 2018 and april 2018 pregnancy <laughs> nail it <laughs> i'm not sure that's the best turn of phrase <laughs> i did nail it uh, that's not i think that's an amazon book isn't it is that an amazon book yeah, no i'm um, not kindle is that a kindle book it's kindle <laughs> something a little bit upsetting about it. it's a picture of someone holding their pregnant tummy and it just says pregnancy nail it it sounds like a terrible it's a really way to shit abort. Book. 
there's a lot of shit free books on on the Kindle that you can get. Or I, yeah. I must have paid 99p for it or something. And it's, no, zero. You paid literally nothing on this. Yeah, it's zero, 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 it's, zero. And it's you know there's a lot of self published work on on the Kindle that isn't great. And that that would be a book that I would have just. I'm pregnant. What do I do? Oh, I'll download, I'll download some free stuff on my Kindle. <laughs> well, I guess take That's my pregnant care. Read work. free literature about it. Uh, I really didn't know what to do when I was when I got pregnant, and that's one of the things that I thought would help. It didn't help at all. <laughs> <laughs> Shall I write that as a review? Yeah. This didn't help it at didn't all. Help at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, Nascent sweet orange essential oil. Do you like an essential oil? I do. You? Yeah. So I'm not only do I make my own skin products, I make my own hair products too. And I think it's important when you do that to add a bit of essential oil just to get a bit of scent, a bit of theatre, adds a bit of theatre to your nice. uh, to your aroma. Um, and you essential oil is great because you only need like a couple of drops of it, and it's super strong. Um, so I, I use, add it to my, I think I still use the same bottle that I bought. That's how strong wow. it is. Uh, and I add a bit to my, my spritzer, my hair spritzer, in case you're interested. You're, you're making <laughs> loads of stuff. You should set up a stall. Um, for God's sake. Yeah, maybe. That's, uh, now we're not doing comedy no more. That'd probably be a good way to, to yeah. earn a living. Yeah. Selling all the bits, selling all the bits. Um, a uh, wireless presenter flip pen. Oh, a Casio Collection woman's watch. I have a watch. It's my favourite watch and I lost it and I love it so much. I just bought the exact same watch again. And I remember yes. I was, I used to, when I, I must have lost that. that. If it's 2017, I would have lost it in Edinburgh. I used to run around that Hollywood Park. It's five kilometres Hollywood Park. So I used to run around it. Um, mm. And then after one run, I got home and my watch was up on my wrist. And I was like, I love this watch so much. I'm going to buy it again. Uh, and so I did and I still have that watch just I'm actually wearing it now I'm genuinely I'm wearing it now oh it's, it's it, a lovely it's yeah. a lovely tour of your of your room I mean, everything, <laughs> everything you've bought you've still got you're definitely you know from the mini disc player to the watch you lost you, you know I you look after my stuff my, my partner yeah. I jump up the wall because he's just like he always wants to replace stuff and buy new stuff and I'm like no this works perfectly or I'm not throwing it away someone might find it useful or put it on Gumtree one day uh, yeah. And I, I do like to keep, I don't like to consume things. I don't, I mean, I know we've just gone through my Amazon list, but I'm not a huge shopper. I don't like to buy stuff. Um, yeah. I but if I buy stuff, it's something that I really want and I, that I want to keep. Yeah, good. Well, that's how we should be doing it. And that is part of the mission of, of this podcast is that it encourages people when they're looking at their Amazon purchase history to sort of reflect and go, oh my God, well, I regret nothing. did I buy all this stuff? I no, exactly, <laughs> which is great. It's the first time, you know, the, the, I'm talking to someone and every book I've mentioned, Athena, you're like, yep, yeah, this, it's that, it's that, it's that. Whereas, you know, no offence to my other guests, but most of them go, oh, I've got a fucking clue. Did I, did I buy that? I don't remember. Um, uh, James Marlin, Black Leopard, Red Wolf, Dark Star Trilogy, book one. Here we are. This will be the first book where you go, oh, I've got a fucking I'm going to say his name's Marlin James. So oh, Marlin on. James, yeah, yeah, of course, socks, sorry. James, it yeah. says James, comma, Marlin. Um, <laughs> Marlin James... Now, this is when Marlon James, who won the Booker, didn't he? Yeah, for um, uh, seven, uh, seven Killings. I call, it's, yes. That's the shortened name of it. I forget the wrong name, which is a wonderful, but I have that book too. It's just yeah. one of the, probably one of my favourite books. In the, is it my favourite book? Uh, it's brilliant. Oh. It's a great book. Um, it it reimagines um, seven murders that happened at, at the time of, of Bob Marley going through quite a fate. Bob Marley was shot at a, at a rally at one point yeah. and he imagines what happened. And around that, there's like seven seven murders, and it's just elaborate and complex and just gripping. It took me ages to. I'm a fast reader. It took me forever yeah. to read this book. I had to, and because it's a lot of it's in Jamaican patois, which I do not speak, um, I had to read pages like twice, and it's just oh, a wonderful God. book. So anyway, I bought that book off of the back of. Um, 
that. So this is where he goes to a sort of sci-fi place. Let me tell you something that's really true. I have not read that book. That nah, finally, and, we found it. We and found I'll tell you why. Spot. I've yeah. got an immense phobia of snakes. I don't like them. And one day I'm on the tube, really looking forward to reading my Marlon James book. And I open, and I put it in my and I hold it and I look at it. And I'm like, there's something on this cover. And it's got like kind of like, it's a bit reptilian. Like, what's on this cover? There's a picture of a snake <laughs> on the cover yeah. of this book. And I'm like, I can't. Dude, I can't hold this book. I'm so afraid of them. I don't even want to <laughs> hold this book. So this book has been on my bookshelf for like two years. And it's I'm just scared just... of the snake. Take the dust cover off. I took it off. Sake. It's got the same fucking design on the hardcover. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my gosh. So and Double then I snakes. and then I thought I'll buy it. I'll get the audio book. So I got the audio book. And every time I use the audio book, guess what comes up on your screen? Like, oh my god, think, you really have got a bad snake thing. So you? it's 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 more. That particular image I don't like. The image because it's it, looking right at you. Yes, the, you've bought here. It is you've got the, the audio scales book. and the stuff. Book. So, um, but with the audio book now, even when I when I turn my phone screen off, because when it's playing, it comes up on the screen. That's just a nightmare. Um, so I've not um, I've not read the book. To be fair, I'm actually ready to read. I've had, the reason why I know I'm ready for it is because I've got kids now, and S is always for snake. So when you're doing the ABCs, so I can do okay. that now. So I know- You've desensitized. That's a I'm clever desensitized, way I'm desensitized, yeah. <laughs> it's like, like S is always for snake now. So I'm, I'm totally, I'm not over my phobia, but it's not as extreme as it used to be purely because of that. I'm like, I wish I was lying, but it's true. Like having to I... read these fucking alphabet books all the time. <laughs> when you, see, you get to T and I'm like, my heart pulse, my pulse races. <laughs> like what, what is S for? Oh God, it's snake again. So, um, and the, the Gruffalo, fucking hell, literally every oh. Gruffalo book has a snake in it. I don't know why. Yeah. And it's a very accurately drawn snake with like grits green with, ske- with bloody the V pattern on them anyway um, <laughs> it's desensitised me so I can actually pick up that book and read it now and it's definitely something I need to pick up Marlon James is a wonderful writer he wrote, he wrote another book called The Book of Night Woman which is an outstanding oh, it's just such a good book I've never read any of his stuff I really feel you I've, would got, really I've, like I've the, got a copy of The Seven Killings I've, I've got it okay well tell you what read read Seven Killings but because this is yeah. a hard book to read I found the book, yeah. the, the book of Night Women is about a slave rebellion in Jamaica that's run by women, basically. And I think it's brilliant. I actually think it's better than an, the Seven Kings book, to be right. fair. Oh, I do, okay. I do. I think it's, I definitely found it more thrilling. It's a real page turner. Uh, yeah. So I would, if you, if you, I would say for Marlon James, that's a good one to start with. Because I do, yeah, there is a, um, there's a sense of reading and stuff that you've got to take a hurdle. That it's, it's not, it's not easy to read because of, like you said, there's a lot of his in patois and stuff like that. So I do kind of think, oh God, when I'm exhausted and, you know, I'm lying in bed at the end of a long day with these wretched children, I'm like, I, I'm going to be asleep within the next six minutes. So I need a book that's going to really keep me awake. And if I, if that happens, I'm done for, I'm just done for. Oh yeah, reading's really hard. That's why audiobooks are great. I think audiobooks yeah. are, and unfortunately, because of my Amazon boycott, um, 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 well, I'm I mean, yeah, you've brought that up for the first time as we come towards the end of this podcast. And this is the interesting thing, Athena, which you told me when I said you've got to come and do this podcast. You were like, yeah, but I don't use Amazon anymore. <laughs> um, so, so well, let's let's crash into that because as we get into uh, 2020, still buying, you know, still buying stuff, you, you have a pretty active 2020 on Amazon. You've th- but only, actually, I say pretty active, that's not true. Only 30 orders placed um, over the over the year. And then in 2021, the past three months, only three orders orders i think um, and they would be kindles wouldn't they i'm just trying to think well, what I well yeah it's all kindle and audiobook stuff so yeah it, it's very clear that uh the the amazon um 
the Amazon boycott has sort of kicked in for you. I mean, 13 over the whole year in 2020 is, is by oh, far... Oh, one three. One three. Yeah. Considering okay. Alex Zane came on a while back and in the first six months of 2020, he bought something like 350 items <laughs> in six months. I mean, so this is a really important point. Like we've come to view going online and clicking around and buying things as just like making a cup of tea. And this is really not great it's not great if you look at it from like a kind of a high level environmental product yeah. environmental point it's not view, a like, benign action anymore it's, it's not, not benign. Benign. Oh, it never was yeah. you know consuming stuff is never benign and anytime you yeah. go out and you purchase something it's not benign so it's had to be manufactured it's had a resource that to be used and it's like you know can you live without it if you can live without it why are you buying it why is it necessary um and accumulating accumulate accumulating things is a really i think a really bad way to live just like accumulating stuff for what for what purpose nesting um but i think that's why it's important uh, defending the hoarder because i'm a hoarder as well my wife's not the whole point of hoarding is that it it, if you're hoarding then you're not letting anything out of your silo so it's all going in and that gives you a sense of just how much stuff you're accruing and that puts the brakes on whereas if you clear out if you're constantly getting rid of stuff getting rid of stuff getting rid of stuff that entices you into putting new things in. I think it's symbiotic. I think that I think it shouldn't be hoarding. It should be buying stuff that you need. So you do, it's mm. not hoarding. It's I'm keeping that because I need it. Um, right. And then I think getting rid of things should be, I don't need it anymore, but it can have a better home. It can be recycled um, or it doesn't work anymore. So I can dispose of it responsibly. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's a case yeah. of I'm a hoarder. I must love buying new stuff. I think it's a case of if you only buy stuff that you need or want, then it's not hoarding, is it? Because you're just keeping yeah. stuff you need and want. And if you convert it similarly, only buy stuff you need and want, then it's not, it's not, hyper consuming and or being problematic it's oh i need this and i want it um but forget the word hoarding more keeping it's more owning (laughs) it's more owning but but if you to be honest consuming too much and hoarding goes together because you need to buy the stuff that you hoard um so it's it's i don't think it's a case of it should be opposition the two things should be in opposition if you hoard a lot you probably do buy too much and if you are constantly clearing stuff out you're probably you, you probably buy too much does that make sense basically yes both you and your wife are in the wrong you're both wrong okay. <laughs> that is definitely you're true both, you're that both is a, I, will, I will go downstairs and tell her after this you are fucking wrong <laughs> however so am i yeah. um what i love about this is well first of all you love reading and and yes. so do I. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an avid reader how do you find right the the combo of and god knows how you've done this with two kids in the house as we've done this i'm very impressed you've clearly drugged them um the combo of being able to read with having young kids around i find it torture it's it's really hard it's what the one two things suffered once i had my my children exercise like i just turned i turned skinny fat so i'm just soft as anything now <laughs> um <laughs> um uh, but um, also, and so like the gym exercise, you just don't get, don't get the chance and reading. So I used to read maybe two or three books a month, maybe four, a book a week. Yeah, uh, yeah. But now if I get through five a year uh, and I have to make a really determined effort to to do that, um, yeah. to literally like sit. I had to, I've recently had to read books for a job that I've got um, and it was just it's such, it, luckily they were like young adult books. So they're quite easy to read, but oh my gosh, like, it was just, I've got half an hour. Well, I've got to just race through this book uh, really yeah. quickly. Um, it's and do you feel your brain fidgeting when you sit down? Do you feel like your brain's just... Yeah, my, my attention around? span was never that great. And now it's just, just sunk through the floor. I have no mm. attention span whatsoever. Mm. Um, but I have a... I'm trying to... Um, I, I need to read... I need to get back on it because I've got these books piling up that I've accumulated that I, I want to read, but I've not found the time. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the final uh, purchase that we'll go to then, Athena, and this has been a fantastic chat. This pretty neatly sums up uh, Athena Capelli, right? Fourteenth <laughs> of April, twenty twenty. Okay, you bought two items. One item is the Divide: A Brief Guide to Global Inequality. Yeah. And its solutions. And the other item is some black hair dye. There it is, in a nutshell. <laughs> oh my God, yeah, yeah. Like my quest for like global equality and my me trying to halt the aging process. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. So first of all, let's start with The Divide. Let's pick that up. Yeah. Wonderful uh-huh. book. Uh, I recommend it to everyone. I actually bought copies um, randomly for, for a couple of people because like, you've got to read this book. It's a guy uh, called, da- uh, called David Hickle, I think. J- yeah, Jason, 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 Jason Hickle, Hickle, who bizarrely mm. enough, I met, he's a friend of a friend and I met him a couple of years ago in a pub and I thought, what a cool guy. And I just oh. suddenly realised, oh my God, he's written this amazing book. And it's basically just explains why some people in this world are rich or some people are poor. And it yeah. says, it's nobody's fault. We're not rich because we're special. They're not poor because they're idiots. It's the system. Yeah. And he explains the system really well. And he he's an economist. So he doesn't just like, use quite you know like flowery language he says these are the numbers he talks about um can you hear that it's fine absolutely fine all right, well not a problem at all cool he can just be there yeah. crying then good um <laughs> this yeah. is what they do uh, anyway great book recommend it and it just it's just really important in you know we grow up with comic relief and we well, don't know it's christmas and all that shit and it's like no yeah. no this is part of a structure it's this world is intended there is intention in the world's global economic design and he explains really clearly what that intention was and how it works and and its solutions crucially and oh its solutions. and its solutions w- wonderful and i do recommend following jason hickle on twitter because he is for me in terms of the people i try to follow to so learn about this stuff he talks about it in the clearest way and he has the most practical ideas and he's an academic which is wonderful Acad- we need to listen to academics we don't need to yeah. listen to people like me we don't need Listen to influencers. We don't need to listen to movie stars. Academics—they're the ones. Academics, you know, yes. they're the ones to. to the people to in with. cardigans yes, will inherit the earth. Exactly, absolutely. Apart and hair dye—I I went great at fourteen, man, and I've been dyeing my hair possibly consistently for the last five or six years, and I'm not ashamed of it. Actually, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to dye my hair because uh, um, I dye my, my hair every four weeks, so it'll be done this coming Sunday from when we're recording this. <laughs> God, the the level of detail, Athena, and just the, the timing. It is. It wasn't over until the beautiful baby started crying, and, and then and it he, very much. And was. he is beautiful, but and he's really unhappy right now. No, stop talking about global inequality. It's depressing me. Exactly. Um, all right, Athena. I'm gonna let. Do you know what? I'm, I'm going to let you go. Okay, thank you. That's appreciated. <laughs> I feel like you might have more important things to do than I podcast do. I've right I've got to stick a breast in someone's mouth right now. So. All right, I suggest the baby. Lots of love. Thank you so much. <laughs> Take it easy. Bye. She's just absolutely fantastic. She's so, so funny. She's such a great comedy writer. She's such a brilliant brain. She's such a lovely person. I, I'm a big fan of the wonderful Athena Kablenu. Give her a follow on Twitter. Um, it's Athena, A-T-H-E-N-A Kablenu, K-U-G-B-L-E-N-U. I will put a link to her um, on our Twitter, at ToasterPod. Okay, so thank you so much for listening. And thank you if you have managed to head over to our Patreon site, patreon.com slash toasterpod. Uh, really, really appreciate it. Loads of people supporting the podcast. From as little as £3 a month, it makes a massive difference. So thank you very much indeed. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, go and have a look. Patreon.com slash toasterpod. There's a completely exclusive podcast over there where I get together with a bunch of random comics and go over in more detail some of the items my guests have been buying. You can get ad-free access to all of Series 2 and Series 3, and you can get exclusive advance 
uh, access to next week's episode. So, uh, an episode that's going to be dropping this Friday is the brilliant Jade Adams. She's going to be joining me next Wednesday. If you want to get on that quicker, get to patreon.com slash toasterpod and you can get Jade's episode this Friday. Right, can you hear the noise of a man fixing my windows in the background? (laughs) Of course, someone fixing windows and he's just started shooting a nail gun uh, into the window frame. Is that good? I'm going to go and find out. See you next week then. I'm Yasmin Akram, letting all of you know that myself and my friend Philippa Dunn and I have released the second series of our podcast, We Heart Worry. Join us for hard-hitting discussions on flashing your neighbours accidentally, looking after a child's pet when they go away, and of course, that most universal of worries, a strong fear of chicken. That's We Heart Worry. Find us where you find good podcasts. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.